How has your week been? This evening's been good. I had three sausages. <laughs> Excellent. And you say you've never been to a gay bar. <laughs> no, 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 no. Three proper sausages. Um, proper sausages. Three good sausages for dinner. And, uh, you know, when if you have three sausages, <laughs> I just feel like I get powered up. A three is also gives you a manageable number of sausage burps during the evening as well. Oh, your lucky wife. Garlicky sausage burps. <laughs> I, think, I think I've just discovered a children's book that's yet to be written. <laughs> The garlic sausage burps, the monster. A little the adventures of garlic called... sausage burps. <laughs> What's that garlic? What have you spotted? <laughs> but yes, last week was a good week. We had a bizarre spurt in listeners from the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> which, as far as I know, is a country we're actually banned in because we swear on our podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we generally but rip hey, into any religion that we get our teeth into. <laughs> absolutely. But hello and welcome to our 50 listeners from the UAE. That's strange. Where I suspect we may now be on a no-fly list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh dear. And you, had the, you did that recording with Hilbert. Yes, which was very good. I might leave this bit in. Fuck it, I usually edit this out, but I might leave this bit in. So for all of our audience, we have an exciting side project coming up, which is going to be launching in ooh, probably September, whenever I can be bothered to edit it, where we uh, basically, I, possibly Tom, but most, mostly I think it's going to be me, chats to interesting and creative people who talk about history in other places. So we have interviewed history with Hilbert, who is a YouTuber and Facebook meme lord. And we've got one of the creators of QI, in fact, possibly both of the creators of QI coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So that'll be launching in September. It's really good fun. It's really exciting. A little sideline project for That Was Genius. We discussed the Dutch Navy and badly forged uh, Islamic coinage from middle-aged Britain. Very good. Which apparently they, they thought they were writing Arabic, but were basically just doing squiggles on their coins in really bad forgeries. Oh, fantastic. A little bit like when you go to places like Japan and yes. it's fashionable to have English writing on shirts and then it just makes no sense yeah absolutely in fact when i went to china i bought a t-shirt that says in very proud letters on it this is my lemon (laughs) 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 with a picture of a sexy lady (laughs) oh no sam you should have released that so early on in this episode because the episode can only go downhill from (laughs) this is my lemon (laughs) from badly written chinglish t-shirts yeah (laughs) brilliant this is my lemon Welcome, one and all, to That Was Genius, the history podcast in which Tom, who's the other guy, and Sam, who's this guy right here, discuss history stories on a theme each week. The theme is prepared the week in advance, but everything else is a surprise, and this week it is... Uh, vegetables! <laughs> it is vegetables! It is vegetables! Now, I, did you come across the article, because Edinburgh Fringe has just happened, and the one it line has. that won the Edinburgh Fringe Festival was vegetable-related, wasn't it? It was a vegetable-related pun. Would yes. you like to go for it? Oh, what was it? I think I can remember it, but I, I'll need to look it up to make sure I get it right, and so I can credit the person who actually wrote it. Yes, absolutely. I think that is a deserved thing to do. I think he was... Was he Norwegian or Danish? Or same to be. Fucking uh, Northern European. Hey, with a blonde hair and blue eyes coming over yeah. here, being our perfect Aryan specimens. <laughs> So congratulations to Swedish, we both got it wrong, uh, Swedish comedian Olaf Falafel, who won uh, Dave, the TV channel's funniest joke of the fringe, with, I keep randomly shouting out broccoli and cauliflower. I think I might have florets. Ta-da! 
There you go. Best joke of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Very good. So how have you found this week, Tom? This was one of the easiest weeks of research I've ever done. Really? I went straight, found a source that was fantastic, and I'm going to talk solely about that source, and it was really easy because the source does all its, all its own talking. I don't need to, <laughs> to elaborate too much on it. I just got to quote it. I'm just going to shut up and put a link in the description. You can read it yourself. <laughs> read it yourself, you lazy twat. No podcast filibustering this week. No saucy procrastination, which also happened last week. No tangents. No protracted segues. I faffed around last week, didn't I? Quite a lot because <laughs> I had a crap source. It was a roundabout trip. <laughs> to our final destination last week, yes. But but I don't think it was any less worthy because of that. No, no, I thought it was an enjoyable journey. Yes, I, enjoyed I, the views. I agree. I, do you know what I thought? When we suggested vegetables last week, I thought, ha-ha, vegetables, that's silly and fun and that'll be easy. And then I really struggled to find anything that I actually wanted to talk about. <laughs> I really struggled. But I managed to find one, something last minute, which I think is suitably silly and fun. All right, what are we going to flip? Well, Tom, in the spirit of it being vegetable week, I've actually got some vegetable wrappers from last night's dinner. You have some vegetable wrappers, Sam. Yes. As uh, much as I disagree with the idea of vegetables wrapped in plastic, I well, do yeah, have some packaging. Well, yeah, absolutely, Mr. Landfill. It was recyclable. Was it? But yes, I do have some packaging. It's for asparagus, Tom. Would you like the side that says asparagus or the side that has some information about the nutritional value of asparagus? I'm going to be honest, this sounded more interesting in my head than it's going to turn out to be. Oh, uh, Right. What's the nutritional information about an asparagus? What's the ingredients uh, list? Water, sugar, beef stock, <laughs> <laughs> puff pastry, shortcrust pastry, suet, the Haribo. tears of a clown, Haribo. <laughs> the tears of a clown, that very Smokey Robinson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that went all Motown all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that was interesting. Um, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll have, I'll have the front, front of the asparagus package. And this is rather pointless for a clear asparagus package. You can have the side with a picture of some asparagus on it. I was about to ask. I was exactly what I was going to say. Is there a picture of the asparagus on the item that is clearly asparagus because it's yes. asparagus? Yes, there is. There's a picture of some asparagus which is covering up the actual asparagus, yes. Oh, fuck's sake. Talk about unnecessary packaging. At least it's recyclable, eh, Sam? It is. I do feel bad about that. It could have been edible because they could have used another asparagus and tied it in a knot. And that well, could they could the have done. The one I particularly object to is uh, bananas. Bananas come, come in their, their own, own wrapper. wrapper <laughs> Very dangerous wrapper, though. Particularly if you happen to be driving a go-kart and uh, a plumber of Italian extraction. Flip it. Okay, so you're taking the side with the asparagus on it. There we go, that was a, that was an audio letdown. And you've won, Tom. Yes. Get in there. Right, I'm going first. I'm going to set the tone. Go on, as bloody per. Okay, good. Right, so I have been discussing... Look at this, I'm going straight into it. Fucking hell. A document called the Prior Payer. Have you heard of the Prior Payer? I know what Prior Prism is. What's prior prism? It's when you get an uncontrollable erection that won't go down for hours and it can be oh. fatal. Oh, interesting. Well, hmm, that might come up later. <laughs> so to speak, as <laughs> the actress said to the down. bishop, etc., yes. etc. <laughs> Good. So the prior payer, 
Why would you know that bit of information, Sam? Anything you'd like to divulge? I know that it comes from certain venomous spider bites. There's a spider that gives you a permanent erection. Yes, there is. You went right into this. I'm not going to let you. (laughs) Gives you a boner. Right. Spider that gives you a boner. Yes, there we go. The Brazilian wandering spider. Wandering as in it wanders or is it always sort of peering up at the sky thinking, why? Possibly both. It, uh, it comes from the, uh, the genus Phonet- Phonutria, which uh, means murderess in Greek. And the spider's bite can cause painful erections that last approximately four hours and can lead to impotence and or death. Does it have to bite your knob or can it bite anywhere on your body and then erect your knob? That is a very good question. And I'm not really going to... I'm not going to look into this any further. I've already messed up my Google search history. I'm going to be getting Viagra adverts for weeks on Facebook now. <laughs> Uh, Uh, Yes, so, the Priapeia, a collection of close to 100 Latin epigrams from the 1st to the early 2nd century AD. Do you know what an epigram is? I thought this was quite interesting. It's a painful erection caused by... (laughs) (laughs) An ancient Greek lizard. (laughs) So it's ancient Greek in origin, the word epigram. Epigrams were prevalent in Rome, obviously, as a result. Usually witty or often sarcastic little poems that were designed to be inscribed and read aloud from the inscription, which differs from a eulogy, which was something I learned this again today, which a eulogy, which was something that was designed to be listened to. So it's designed to be spoken and heard as opposed to an epigram, which is supposed to be read. Often present on funerary monuments. So people would put little slightly witty inscriptions, these epigrams. Okay, you kind of still do that sometimes, don't you? You see little funny poems on gravestones sometimes when people feel like being a bit witty in the afterlife. Yes, absolutely. Under this side lies another, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or I told you I was sick. Yeah, the classic Spike Milligan ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and there's, there's some other ones, aren't there? There are some people who have a, a really fairly standard, fairly cliche, we loved granddad on the gravestone. But actually, when you look at the... Uh, first initial of every sentence it says twat or something like that because actually actually this bloke was a cunt (laughs) I've seen that one before I don't know if you get this in New Zealand but in in Britain certainly you get park benches dedicated to to oh yeah yeah and uh, my favorite is always here lies x who hated this park and everyone in it Or dedic- sorry, dedicated to. I don't think they're buried underneath it. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so the Priapeia then is a collection of epigrams, um, probably originally inscribed in shrines to the ancient god Priapus. Have you heard of the ancient god Priapus, Sam? I, I think vaguely in years gone by, maybe. Okay, good, but, good, good. But we'll have to start from the beginning. I will start from the beginning. Treat and me I like will... a Priapus virgin. Uh, oh, <laughs> right. You're going to want to come back to that phrase after I've discussed this <laughs> in more detail. And, um, Excellent. And probably take it back. Right, so the authorship <laughs> of this document is unknown. Possibly one individual, possibly a series of individuals, uh, possibly a group of poets. Um, but I won't delve into this topic anymore because it's rather boring. Instead, let's listen to some of these poems, these epigrams. I'll then describe the god Priapus. These poems are going to do a good job, actually, of describing Priapus. So, do I need to click my fingers and nod appreciatively? Yes, 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 yes. This is like poetry club. This is like poetry club. It's very. I mean, I could have been silly this week, Sam. I could have chosen a very silly topic, but I decided actually a collection of poems would just raise 
raise our brows a little bit more because we've been a bit low brow recently and it would just be Good. a little bit more educational could be a, just <laughs> a slight a slight lull in the vulgarity for a week we can get back to rude Good. stuff next well week. i'm looking forward to raising my brows excellent good <laughs> I, i've used the translation of the prior payer by leonard c smithers and sir richard burton from 1890 so these poems are they're from the mouth of Priapus, so it's as if he's speaking. So let's <laughs> let's talk about let's find out more about Priapus in in his own words. So, poem number nineteen: <clears throat> Jove controls the thunderbolt. The trident is Neptune's weapon. Mars is mighty by the sword. Thine Minerva is the spear. Bacchus fights his battles with a bundle of thrice The bolt, we are told, is shot by Apollo's hand. Hercules' invincible right arm is equipped with a club. But a cock at full stretch makes me appalling. (laughs) (laughs) So, first thing we learn about Priapus, and we're starting to get that connection between his name and the condition that you mentioned earlier on. He's got a massive wanger, Sam. So, Priapus (laughs) as a god has got a big knob. Excellent. And what is Latin for massive wanger, Tom? Uh, Let me just just get this right. I've just got to get all the... Wangus grande. Massifius wangus. I think it is. Excellent. Well, I think I found my Roman governor name. <laughs> Massifius Wangus. <laughs> um, Find your Roman governor's name, kids. <laughs> Take the first three letters of your name and just add Wangus at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I would be... Oh, that no, wouldn't work for me because I'd be Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you would. Yeah. It's unimaginative, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway, so I want the listeners to be able to really clearly picture Priapus. A very beautiful god. <laughs> so, Priapus, he's basically, and this is no exaggeration, a garden gnome with a permanently <laughs> erect humongous dong. He's bearded, small, cantankerous, and very ugly. So that is Priapus. And there is a belief... <laughs> this sounds the... very much like a souvenir that you buy at an airport for someone you didn't particularly like. <laughs> <laughs> or a kinky auntie, I don't know. Okay, it's yes. like a very strange thing to buy anyone. Um, or you just, yeah, I don't know, you wanted But it some... reeks of cheap holiday souvenir, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this handicraft from my country, a well-endowed gnome. <laughs> if he put his hat off, he's full of grappa. <laughs> or just sip, or sip it out of his cock. <laughs> it could be like a gravy jug. A gravy boat. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Bisto. Oh, dear. <laughs> Just don't put the bread sauce in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, so, yes, it's potentially the case that this god Priapus actually influenced the existence of garden gnomes. So he could have been... Ah. Yeah, garden gnomes could have originated with Priapus. So, let's move on to the next uh, one of these epigrams. Number 23. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh, silence in the back of the theatre, please. Uh, the steward has bidden me, the protector of this fertile garden... Have a care of the place committed to my charge. Thou, O thief, shalt be punished. Nels may be enraged and say, On account of a cabbage, am I to endure this? On account of a cabbage? And I know what's on the lips of everyone. Endure what? I'll come on to that. (laughs) Indeed. indeed. But what this does indicate is that Priapus is a god associated with fertility, good harvests, and the protection of gardens. So you can see this connection between... the protection of cabbages. Yes, and more particularly... Cabbages. Yes, we're getting a sense in this document that cabbages were important to Priapus. Priapus was often wooden, so there were often wooden sculptures of Priapus that were placed in people's gardens to protect the gardens from thieves and trespassers. Hence, so he really was just a garden gnome. 
But yeah, absolutely. So hence the connection to vegetables, because he was so he was there to protect ah. your veggies, basically. So what is the punishment for these people if Priapus catches them? This dirty little erect gnome. Well, <laughs> that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Number five. I'm glad. Epigram number five. Again, silence in the back of the theatre, please. Thou I am, as you see, a wooden priapus with wooden reaping hook and a wooden penis. Yet I will seize thee, and when thou art caught, my girl, I will enjoy thee, and the whole of this large, though it may be, and stiffer than twisted cord, than the string of the lyre, I will surely bury in thee to thy seventh rib. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Bit rapey, bit rapey. It is a, it is a bit rapey. So uh, Priapus is is uh, yeah a lecherous, dirty, permanently erect, cantankerous old gnome. Wow! Who rapes people that trespass? Steal my cabbages? Exactly. I'll be tickling. I'll be tickling your lungs with my giant wooden <laughs> stick. <laughs> with my giant dong. Yes. Wow. Let's go on to just get a better picture. Of, of Priapus's punishments for trespassers. I mean, and, and, and neither of us have made a woody joke yet. <laughs> Who got wood? Hey. Number 27. Thou who wickedly designest and scarce forbearest from robbing my garden shall be sodomised with my 12-inch phallus. But if so severe and unpleasant punishment shall not avail, I will strike higher. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically... This tiny garden gnome <laughs> overlooks a garden and just sexually assaults anyone who comes anywhere near. And anyone who comes anywhere near, even if they're not looking to steal anything, he just stares at them and says, I'm going to fuck you if you come any closer. <laughs> you don't want to know what I'm going to do to you. <sighs> you like my roses, or I quite like your flower. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take your flower, I will. <clears throat> I'll plough your furrows, darling. <laughs> Etc. Also, when he says, I'll go higher, does that mean he's just going to go more than 12 inches, or does that mean he's going to dick slap you in the face? <laughs> he's going to get again, teabagged again, by Sam. an angry gnome. <laughs> you probably think you're being vulgar and silly. Hmm, wait, wait a moment longer. <laughs> oh, sorry. Am I, am I jumping ahead of the epigrams again? <laughs> <laughs> there will be a little bit of that going on. Cock cudgelling. <laughs> what I particularly like about gardens, Thomas, is the peace. It's the sense of peace and tranquility. Sense of nature. Being at one yes. with nature. Indeed. Indeed. Oi, you over there. I want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave me alone. Where'd that voice come from? <laughs> Oi, Down here. <laughs> by the pond. <laughs> you just wait until I get my stepladder. <laughs> I'm fucking a fish. I'm the one over here fucking a fish. <laughs> Tickling a trout. Have that, you <laughs> rainbow bastard. <laughs> it was carping on, so I fucking give it a bit. In a... <clears throat> Number 10, Sam. Take heed, lest thou art Pouty caught. little swimming bastard. If Sorry, I carry on. Thee, nor with my club will I belabour thee, nor cruel wounds with this curved sickle inflict on thee. Thrust into by my 12-inch pole, thou shalt be so stretched <laughs> that thou wilt drink thy anus never had any wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> he is revolting, isn't he? He really is a revolting young gnome. And this stuff was all written on people's garden walls. Essentially, yes. <laughs> it was, Good on, old it was underneath the, uh, uh, theoretically. Uh, I think the understanding is it was underneath the uh, wooden sculptures or in the little shrine. If there was a little <laughs> shrine to Priapus, they'd be written in the shrine. There are 
pictures of Priapus in places like Pompeii and Herculaneum as well. So he was a, a well-loved deity. <laughs> yeah, this is the side of the Smurfs that you never really saw, isn't it? It is, oh yeah. Poor, poor Smurfette. <laughs> but a very X-rated Smurf, yes. There's, there's a reason why there's only one of them left. <laughs> one of the only one female Smurf. Oh, Christ. Well, actually, is that strictly true, Sam? Let's find out. Number 12. <clears throat> Thou shalt be pedicate, lad. Thou also, lass, shall be rogered. While for the bearded <laughs> thief is the third penalty What's, kept. Where, what does rogers translate from in I don't know. Latin? Well, this is, a, this is from 1890. Yes. I'm sure they were quite prudish. So I... There's a more modern translation of this from 1988, but I couldn't find a copy of it. And the translator of that has gone into some very naughty language. It uses certain words like <laughs> cunt. Oh. You know, at least this version is a little bit more restrained, using words like rotted. <laughs> and phrases like purple-headed yogurt-slinging womb ferret. <laughs> you, I, you said you hadn't come across this source, Sam. <laughs> How dare oh, sorry. you? You were lying to me. Epigram number eight. <laughs> <laughs> Roger is a good term, isn't it? I like Roger. Me too. I think any rude word with a G in it generally is good. Roger and Todger are good, I think. Yes. Roger the Todger. Now, that was a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Roger the Todger from the Beano. <laughs> Number 21. If a woman, man or boy thieve from me, let her cunt, his mouth and the latter's buttocks be submitted to my cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually the word cunt, it's the word coint. Have you come across that word before? It's the origins of the word, isn't it? I think it possibly is, yes. I, th- I think there's a yes. bit of debate, but coint, C-O-Y-N-T-E. I'm not slang. Old English, coint. Possibly the origins of the dirty, dirty C word. Indeed. Cabbage. Which has just got us re-banned in the United Arab Emirates. So goodbye to our 50 new listeners from there. It was nice <laughs> knowing you. <laughs> if you are in the United Arab Emirates, please get in touch. We would love to know how you came across us. Salamu alaikum. And welcome to our podcast. Yes, please do let us know. <laughs> Number 31. This is the last of the uh, of the epigrams that describes his rapey tendencies. Number 31. Well, the last one I feel I this chose. isn't the one we're going to, I feel this isn't the last one we're going to hear though, is it? <laughs> no, no, there's only one more. There you go, Sam. There's only one more. No, Number I thought 31. we were going to move on to the smell of his farts or something. <laughs> Anyone who stealeth my carrots, not roses thou shalt smell. I'd be quite happy to have him fight in my face rather than be sodomised by him. Uh, (laughs) Maybe that was the third penalty kept that he references in number 12. (laughs) He just farts in your face. (laughs) Beautiful. Does a bit of of spreading. What what I'm imagining, and and it's making me enormously happy, is, you know, there are genuinely people who have to write greetings cards. Yes. You know, there are people who write the kind of the, the hallmark cards, the happy little poems inside cards. Yeah. I'm just imagining a Roman sculptor sat kind of thinking about the most wonderful poems he can write on these, these epigrams. Well, you say that. some poor bastard had to carve that. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of the time, I think this was actually just graffiti. And when I did a wee <laughs> you, bit of research... You say. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I was researching this, by, there, there are theories that the authors of these poems were actually quite well-established poets. Early on in the study of these, there were suggestions that it was people like Virgil had actually written some of these. And <laughs> wow. Possibly what these poets were doing was just sitting around having a laugh. 
So yes. it seems to me they're actually just sitting around drinking and just making really funny epigrams. They're actually often quite witty. They sound incredibly vulgar, but there were a lot of play on words, which I'll come on to in a second. So it's a bit like Mozart and his lyrics about rimming. Yeah. It's just a bit of drunken fun. Absolutely. So number 31. So long as thou snatchest nothing from me with audacious hand, thou mayst be chaster than Vesta herself. But if thou dost, these belly weapons of mine will so stretch thee that thou wilt be able to slip through thy own anus. <laughs> <laughs> He's a charmer. I'm going to tear you inside out. Do you know what I'm now picturing? Because it's a gnome, I'm now picturing Danny DeVito saying all of these. <laughs> oh, Danny DeVito's knob. Thanks for that image. Okay, yeah. Just Danny DeVito or Joe Pasquale hiding in a garden. <laughs> Joe Pasquale. <laughs> From Goodfellas. <laughs> you think I'm funny? Hey, you think I'm funny? You like the size of my cock? You think I'm a clown? Huh? Huh? Are you thinking of Joe Pesci? Oh, I was thinking of Joe Pesci. You were thinking, sorry, you were thinking of this shit English comedian. Yeah. Joe Pasquale with a high-pitched voice. Sorry. Yeah. I thought you were Joe Pesci. No, Joe I'll Pasquale is definitely not starring next to De Niro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a parallel universe. I'm just imagining the film um, Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Danny DeVito. As Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> being taught by Danny DeVito how to be offensive after people in the garden. I'll tear your asshole inside out. <laughs> <laughs> I will split you in two. Get my chopper. Get your pants down. <laughs> Brilliant. Every time I fuck you, I feel like I'm coming. It is like I'm coming <laughs> backstage. When I'm pumping, it is like I'm coming in the gym. Imagine me, I'm coming all the time. <laughs> that is definitely going to need some context, because I know what you're on about. <laughs> but it Link just sounds it. like you've just gone down a very blue path. <laughs> <laughs> Link to it on social media, Sam. I think everyone, everyone in Western society deserves to watch that clip of Arnold Schwarzenegger from <laughs> Pumping Iron, the Indeed. late 70s bodybuilding film. It's just a scene where Arnie's describing how much he enjoys getting the pump. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> it's very weird. Right, anyway, so I don't want you to think that Priapus is just some aggressive, lecherous, sexually violent gnome with an enormous dick, Sam. That would be wrong. He actually has a clever and witty side that you just don't <laughs> see, Mum, and that's why I'm marrying him. Number six... <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> So number six, this is epigram number six. Now I'm picturing you and Danny DeVito getting married. (laughs) Whenever I speak, one word slips me. For talking with a lisp, I always say instead of predico, pedico. So it's a good play on words here, Sam. So what he says is, I always say instead of do not trespass, I will sodomise you. So it's just a little clever, you know, witticism, play on words. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to move away from the Priapeia now and tell you a bit more about Priapus just to finish off. So he was the son of Aphrodite and was cursed by Hera to be ugly and rude when in utero because of Paris's famous judgment Aphrodite was more beautiful than Hera. And that's a very famous classical story, isn't it? He was thrown to earth by the other gods because he was so but ugly. And he lived amongst the satyrs with Pan until becoming the god of fertility, growth, harvest, etc., Now, to finish my story, Sam, I'll finish it on a high. Here is a little story from Ovid, the the Roman poet from the turn of the millennia. And it is my favourite story about Priapus. So Priapus was at a feast with Hestia, or possibly a nymph, not quite sure. And that nymph, or Hestia, falls asleep. 
Priapus gets a bit horny and decides to rape her, like you do. Just a responsible behaviour from an adult. Standard Greek mythology, yes. Absolutely, you know. And anyone who's never done that, shame on you. Christ, <laughs> liberal wanker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> might have to edit that out. Might have to edit that out. That's a bit yeah, close to the line. Yeah, that... <laughs> a bit close even for us. Anyway, however, midway through uh, the act of raping this individual, a donkey starts braying nearby and puts him off so he can't finish the business. Frustrated and angry, Priapus then beats the donkey to death with his cock. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. Fantastic. Priapus and the Priapaya. Do you reckon he carries a step ladder around with him for all of this? Rogering. Rogering and cock slapping <laughs> or, or he just stays a good distance away because his knob's so big well maybe that's true or maybe he's just got a very good jump on him <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or trampet he's got just a tiny little trampet like... <laughs> and he just jumps up and down like one of those aerobics trampolines yeah that's exactly right <laughs> and he's got a little pair of, of ankle warmers the slap, on the slap the slap <laughs> He's got one of those 80s-style aerobic thongs that goes right up in front. Yeah, I was just going to say Hairy buttons either side. Like the Call On Me video. Yeah, yeah like the Call On Me, that's it. Dong and, oh, dong and testes hanging out one side. <laughs> call On Me. Call On, call me, on me. Call On Me. Lying on his back, pelvic thrusting. Stealing my carrots. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Excellent. I would like to see that version of the video. I oh, really that's, a fo- that's a Photoshop job I'm going to treat myself to this weekend. <laughs> Are you just going to have a, gonna be a really bad Microsoft Paint where you've got the girl from yes. that music video and you just done a big willy. Big willy <laughs> and a gnome's head on her, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so vulgar. Right, I'll hand over the so baton, vulgar. Sam. Oh, that was that was wonderful, Tom. Thank you. I can't believe in all of my years of studying history, I've never heard of the pornographic garden protector of ancient Rome. Google it, Sam, and share some of those images on social media. You'll, you'll probably recognise some of the images. Hands off my brassicas, you. <laughs> what I love about this is that my best friend's mum, who is my next next door neighbour at home, is a deeply conservative, very little Englander lady. She's absolutely lovely, but. But she collects garden gnomes and has an incredibly prim and proper garden. And I think I found out what I'm getting her for Christmas. Just sneaking in amongst <laughs> the other gnomes without her noticing. <laughs> All of the gnomes are looking very happy as they go fishing. And there's one of them amongst <laughs> them just with a furrowed brow. <laughs> grimacing. <laughs> in his aerobic gear. <laughs> in his active wear. <laughs> yeah, he's got his pineapple leggings on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's wonderful, Tom. That was a pleasure. It was a delight to discover it. You can see why I didn't have to go much further afield once I'd found it. No. And thanks as well to the two Victorian gentlemen who sat in reverent silence whilst translating the first copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were their names again? Uh, Leonard Richard C. Burton. Smithers and Sir Richard Burton. Leonard, dear boy, Leonard, dear boy, what does this word do you think? What's the most accurate translation for uh, balls deep? Quaint. <laughs> I think it's a word we use more often. Quaint, quaint. yes. 
something here, dear boy, about a seventh rib. <laughs> we don't want to sound like sailors, do we, really? There were going to be monocles popping out left, right and centre whilst <laughs> that was being translated, weren't there? <laughs> Death's firing raising. at force. Yeah. <laughs> I just might have to excuse myself again, Leonard. <clears throat> really, Richard? Third time this afternoon? Anyway, anyway, that was wonderful, Tom. Thank you. I, I'm glad you shared. It's a pleasure. <laughs> You've outdone yourself with silliness. Or have you, Tom? Because today I'm going to talk about the vegetable lamb of Tartary. <laughs> The vegetable lamb of Tartary. That the sounds like someone lamb of Tartary. mixed up the wording on a menu, doesn't it? Yes. Vegetables are great with lamb, and I like tartar sauce. It does sound like something from Gordon's Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> Is this got anything to do with Herodotus, by any chance? Do you know what? No, but... He does mention something quite similar, which is sort of a proto-myth, which I wasn't going to talk about, but he does mention it in his histories. Yes. Right. Something similar, but not quite but not quite the same. Because I thought this week, Tom, that it would be appropriate to talk about sheep, since the topic is vegetables. So, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> or, to be more accurate, half sheep, half plants. Yes. Because the vegetable lamb of Tartary is even by the standards of medieval monsters, a particularly stupid medieval monster. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've come across it before. I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to this. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I I did think that I was going to have to be quite careful with this because this was your dissertation, wasn't it? Bollocks, monsters from the East. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not to cheapen your dissertation. I'm sure it had a slightly more historic... (laughs) valid title than shite people thought about the East. I like to point out I think I got a 74 for that bad boy. Yeah. Oh. People say pay, being stupid doesn't pay. Well, it, it <laughs> didn't because you can't get a job with a history degree. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How's personal training treating you? <laughs> uh, uh, but you say it's stupid but actually it could be a solution to the problem with having too much livestock on our land and the environmental issues if we had lambs that were made from vegetables it certainly has the effect of of limiting the amount of land that each sheep can graze because essentially they're on a giant stalky spring so they can only boing down to the land that's right next to them and then they spring back up again how bizarre that sounds like a gcse maths question the, the, the vegetable lamb of tartar can only bend over a metre and a half. How much yep. grass can it nibble? Indeed. So yeah, I am I am acutely aware that I've done nonsense folklore for two weeks in a row, but that's because it's fucking fun, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think I found my shipwrecks, Tom. I think I found my shipwrecks. <laughs> for those who are new to this podcast, Tom really likes a shipwreck. <laughs> I like a shipwreck and I like other people's misfortune and pain. Yeah. Again, how's personal training treating you? <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few shipwreck sessions. Just yeah. a one more squat. <laughs> Just a little squat. What? You cannot work? Uh, ten more. <laughs> this is how I work. No pain, no gain. I, as a personal trainer, have mastered the art of actually talking to people, which a lot of personal trainers haven't. So what a lot of other personal <laughs> trainers do is they stand there awkwardly, and because there's an awkward silence, they fill that silence with, give me ten more, or engage your glutes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be grateful to know that I was engaging my glutes through quite a lot of what you were talking about just now. I was well and truly clenched. <laughs> Good. That's how Prypus likes it. <laughs> Indeed it is. Doesn't stop him. 
Anyway, anyway, the vegetable lamb of Tartary. Uh, it's a great example this time, a fantastic example of, of Chinese whispers and that fantastic medieval, and indeed people still do it today, habit of filling in the blanks of something you don't understand by trying to explain it, even though you haven't got a fucking clue what you're on about because you can't admit that you're wrong or you don't know. Hold on, were we talking about personal training? Yes. Or were we talking about the... <laughs> Could be anything, Tom. Personal training, anti-vax, religion, crystals. Take your pick. (laughs) Make some shit up, people start to believe it. But this was a really, really long-held myth, considering how utterly, utterly stupid it is. So, what is a vegetable lamb, Tom? Well, it does pretty much what it says on the tin, and there's two main versions of this story. The first option Does it come is in quite tins? simply <laughs> is it comes in a tin. Yeah. <laughs> like spam. Yeah, pretty much. Tin o lamb. <laughs> now with added salt. <laughs> now with added nonsense. So the first option is that it is a lamb that grows like a vegetable. Instead of an umbilical cord, the lamb grows out of the ground on a long straight stalk. And it kind of teeters precariously a metre or so off the ground, a bit like a sunflower. Yeah. And there are some, again, amazing engravings of just slightly perplexed-looking lambs just kind of huh? sat on sticks. But I want to bounce around in the spring <laughs> sun. Indeed. Well, well, Tom, fortunately their stalk is quite springy. So by throwing its weight around, the lamb is able to kind of dive over to the ground, nose first, take a little nibble ah. and then boing, spring back. <laughs> like one of those to- things at a playground. Yeah, which I think is a brilliant mental image. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Yeah. And all of this makes complete sense evolutionarily, right? Why wouldn't you have a lamb that grows out of the ground on a fucking stick? (laughs) Natural selection, that's the course of action it would have chosen. By teetering above the ground, it's kind of defended from some predators, maybe? Who knows? I mean, the only... (laughs) A wolf would really fucking struggle, wouldn't it? A wolf would look at that and go, how, what am I going to do to get this prey? (laughs) I cannot work this one out. I'd be saying to the rest of the pack, what what are we going to do? It's just oh, it's there. bouncing Can't back reach and forth. It. It's, it's just out of reach. <laughs> Every time I go to grab it, it bounces it the other way. It points back away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the ground around it is really muddy because he's been nibbling away at the grass so much. Precisely, Tom. That is exactly, exactly it. Fuck, let's go elsewhere. Let's go and pick on that really <laughs> <Yep>. slow gazelle. <laughs> Fat Gaz the gazelle. Oh, not <laughs> you, not again. Fucking leave oh, me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking ran away from you yesterday. Fortunately, I am the mythical inflatable gazelle. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, watch me flutter away. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh shit, I run out of gas. Just really slowly, slowly starts floating down. It's kind of like kicking its legs up in the air just above the walls, going nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying desperately to gallop along through for there. Excellent. <laughs> so anyway, yes, you've got the lamb's lamb on a stick is is option number one for this for this mythical monster. That's, that sounds good at two in the morning after a night out. Lamb on a stick. Well, well I make quite a few kebab jokes later on in my notes. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Cut that bit out. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> We're going there. So, yeah, unfortunately what happens is eventually the lamb will eat all of the food that it can boing to and then it dies. Yes. At yeah. which point you can you can cut it down and eat it. That's absolutely fine. The second option 
is that the vegetable lamb is actually Tom, and this is this is really clever. You can totally see how people made the connection here. The lamb is actually a type of melon because fuck it, why not? Yeah. <laughs> There is literally no logic to this whatsoever. And when the melon is ripe, a lamb pops out because that's right. what melons do. Yes. But if you're clever, Tom, you can pick the melon and you can smash the melon on the ground before the lamb is ready. And then you get both the lamb and some melon. So it's sort of a ready-made tagine. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's like yeah. dinner and dessert in one. Absolutely, yeah. It's basically it's a, it's a handy little meal you can take along with you. And it comes in its own wrapper as well. It comes in the melon skin. It does, so you don't even need to plastic wrap it. It's genius. Of course, Tom, you you well know, because this is kind of your bag. These aren't the only nonsense plant-animal hybrids from mythology. So I thought I'd mention whilst we're here a couple of the, a couple of the others. Uh, it's a phenomenon called zoophytes, which are kind of half-plant, yeah. half-animal hybrids from history. And, and there are quite a few dotted around. There's one called the whack-whack tree. Uh, which originated somewhere, the legend originated somewhere around the Indian Ocean and became very popular in Islamic culture in the 12th century. There's lots of pictures of the whack-whack tree, which is a tree that grows humans, Tom. Oh, I've not come across this one. Yeah, and it grows humans head first. So a head grows, and then just like that. You have to have the pop noise. Pop. And then... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and then the rest of the body sort of plops down from underneath it. <laughs> right. Brilliant. And it's thought, Tom, it's thought that this was actually the discovery by Western philosophers and, and Arabic explorers of the coconut tree, of the oh, hairy coconut tree. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because coconuts, particularly with the dots on them, sort of resemble human heads. That would be weird, wouldn't it, if you walk past a tree and then all these all these coconuts start saying, Oh, oh yeah, all right. Hello. <laughs> oh, hey. All right, now we're going for a nice walk, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh look one, at you with your legs, you <laughs> show-off flash bastard. Mine have only just started to emerge and they're tiny. Look, I can wiggle them. <laughs> <laughs> right, look now I'm basically arms. just a head with a hand underneath it. <laughs> I bet they're bickering all the time as well, wouldn't they? Those yeah, they're, they're arguing with each other. Wait till I get over to you, you bastard. <laughs> You think you're so high and mighty on your high branch. You're talking about me, but I'm a currently non-existent back, you prick. (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, there was a very similar tree in China, which is called the Jinmenju, uh, which is a bit weird. It's a tree that grows fruit that looks like babies' heads, specifically babies' heads. And these heads don't speak, but they do laugh and pull faces, which is the fucking creepiest thing in the world. (laughs) That is weird, isn't it? Yeah, and if these babies' heads get too excited, Tom, getting even weirder, they fall off the tree and splat violently on the ground. (laughs) Which is is a bit fucking morbid. Uh, And apparently, if eaten, their fruit is both sweet and sour and full of seeds that also look like tiny faces. Because, of course, if you see a baby's head fall off a tree and splat on the ground, you're definitely going to eat it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're going to get a spoon and peel that off the floor. I know I shouldn't, but they are frightfully (laughs) Moorish. Once you've had one baby's head, oh, you'll never stop. <laughs> Once it pops, you just can't stop. <laughs> Indeed. You imagine that you're coming home from you know a, a six-hour journey down these tiny little narrow, windy roads, and it's dark and it's starting to rain, and you just want to get home into your warm house, and you go past one of those trees. Hey, hey, hoo, hello, hey, splat, hey, hoo, splat. Well, dinner's sorted. 
There's another one. There's one more on my list of weird things before we get back to the lamb. And you might have heard of this one because it's kind of, it's moderately well known. And that's the barnacle tree. Have you heard of the barnacle tree, Tom? Oh, I think I have heard of the barnacle tree, actually. Yeah. It's an odd one from medieval Europe. And particularly, this legend was very popular in Britain. This is absolute fucking nonsense, Tom. Even by the standards of medieval lack of logic, this is special. What do you think grows on a barnacle tree, Tom? Caterpillars. Close. Herring. At any rate, it's not fucking barnacled. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tom. The barnacle tree grows geese. Of Of course course, it fucking does. (laughs) Yes, yes. No, I have heard of this one. Yep. And it was a completely illogical answer to the question of why are geese always spotted flying south every winter? We now know that they're migrating, uh, but that was a bit complicated for stupid medieval people to understand, so the answer instead was clearly a tree on the shores of the Irish Sea that grew fruit that looked a little bit like a barnacle. But it was in fact goose eggs, and that's what goose eggs look like. And when they ripened, they fell into the sea and hatched into geese, which then flew south, leaving the shells to wash up on shore. It makes complete sense, Tom. It makes complete sense. Thank fuck if for the you're enlightenment, on Sam. <laughs> Praise be to the enlightenment. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So there we go. Some of the nonsense animal hybrid trees from the past. Anyway, back to the vegetable lamb. So the legend of the vegetable lamb kicked off in ancient Palestine under the Roman Empire. That would be a great film. I'd watch that. <laughs> the legend of the vegetable lamb. I thought you were going for Back to the Vegetable Lamb, the odd <laughs> sequel to Back to the Future. <laughs> The lamb has to boing at 88 miles an hour. (laughs) Where we're going, Marty, we don't need fleece. (laughs) So, yes, this legend kicked off in ancient Palestine under the Roman Empire as early as the 3rd or 4th century AD, when uh, when Jewish folklore around this time starts to mention a creature called the Yadua, which grew to the east in Persia and was a lamb on a stalk who had to be cut down by firing arrows at it because otherwise it would bite you. And you know what lamb's bites are like, Tom? Ooh, the <laughs> ferocious. fucking vicious nibbling bastards. <laughs> That's why wolves go nowhere near them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It'll gum the shit out of you. <laughs> but once you killed it, its bones could be used to divine or tell the future. And it could also be offered to God in prayer. And there was another version of this story called the Jedua rather than the Yedua, which replaced the lamb with a really aggressive, angry human on a stem. <laughs> Who- <laughs> Mm, who again <laughs> well quite he just stuck into the ground by his giant dick just slowly rotating around that I does sound like down. an ancient Greek or Roman myth down. doesn't it cursed yeah. by one of the gods to have a permanent erection and not be able to do anything with it because he's stuck yes. to the ground <laughs> yeah having ladies parade themselves around him <laughs> oh you bastard god and all he does is get slightly higher off the ground <laughs> Gently rotating in the breeze, <laughs> like an unfortunate weather vane, <laughs> pinging back to one of our previous episodes. Oh, so yeah, what would happen is if you got too close to Jedua, he would wibble down on his giant willy. He'd go to <laughs> down close to you, <laughs> and he'd eat you. He'd... <laughs> you have a way with words. Wibble, wibble, wibble. <laughs> down. Yeah, he'd wibble down and eat anyone who was foolish enough to get within wibbling range. <laughs> Is that a direct <laughs> quote from the original source in Latin? It is, yeah. According to Pliny. Uh... Wibble us down. <laughs> yeah, so do stay away from Jedua. Very bad-tempered, unsurprisingly, considering he's a... Um... Bad-tempered wibbler. 
bad-tempered wibbler with a permanent erection, yeah. <laughs> so that sounds like a migrating and that's bird. that's the episode title Doesn't of the it? podcast. It's <laughs> a bad-tempered wibbler. Oh, you never guess what I found the other day, honey. I was out bird-watching and I saw the bad-tempered wibbler <laughs> <laughs> over on the boards. Very rare, the foul-tempered wibbler. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused with the crested wibbler. <laughs> <laughs> the lesser-spotted wibbler. The little wibbler. The great wibbler. And the red-crested wibbler, which you need to be very careful of. <laughs> the ribbed wibbler. <laughs> oh, dear. The purple-headed wibbler is a particular favourite of mine. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> purple-headed wibbler. This is a dildo. <laughs> I say. <laughs> oh, the purple-headed wibbler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can highly recommend a purple-headed wibbler. It's a fantastic <laughs> Valentine's Day gift. I've thought long and hard about it, and I think I'm going to go for the <laughs> the purple-headed wibbler. Seems to do the trick. It also sounds like a Willy w- sounds like a, a, a candy from Willy Wonka. It does the sound like a factory. Willy Wonka chocolate bar. Come for a tour of my factory, and I'll show you a purple-headed wibbler. <laughs> <laughs> umpa lumpa diddly dum <laughs> I've got the direction I'm giving to you <laughs> Doing cartwheels with their massive cocks <laughs> Do you think we've gone too far? <laughs> oh dear, my no. jaw's starting to hurt That's that's what eating the purple-headed wibbler will do to you, Tom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very similar to the never-ending gobstopper <laughs> Said the transgressor over Priapus's garden. <laughs> of all the birds in the garden, the purple-headed wibbler was the most dangerous. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So we now come on, Tom, to a Franciscan monk. <laughs> a Franciscan monk. Excellent. So this the story started in uh, in ancient Judea but kind of carried on in kind of philosophy and folklore for a few hundred years and was written about quite extensively by a guy called Odoric of Pordenone, who was a Franciscan yes. monk who was dispatched on a very early mission to China from Italy in 1318. He was one of the first Westerners to go overland from yes. Europe to China. Absolutely amazing journey he went on. Unlike some of the later travellers, he did actually make it to China. He didn't just get as far as Istanbul and have a jolly for three years. <laughs> make, make up some stories and then come home. Make up some stories. He did actually go to China and he wrote in, in very great detail about the legends of the people who he, he met along the way, including the vegetable lamb. And he said that the locals believed that this lamb lived out in Persia or in Tartary, which is kind of northern Iran, modern-day Georgia, Turkmenistan. And so he wrote quite extensively on this legend. And it kind of sat there in his writings for about 50 years. Odric, by the way, also wrote very extensively on the barnacle tree. So whilst he was quite an impressive explorer, it was actually it thought he might have been the first Christian in the Philippines. He wasn't immune from repeating tall stories and porky pies and selling them as fact. And so he wrote about it and the legend survived kind of in this slightly westernised form for another 50 years or so before it was brought to massive prominence and public fame by a very famous 14th century book the Travels of Sir John Mandeville. Yes. Very, very famous historic book about the... It's on the tin, The Travels of Sir John Mandeville. And it's utter horseshit, this book, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, yes. Supposedly, 
it's about the travels of an English knight. What it's actually about is a load of absolute cobblers strung together in a narrative. It's entirely possible Sir John Mandeville didn't even exist and it was just a Frenchman having a laugh at the expense of the English. <laughs> and the book is bollocks and borrows very, very heavily from Odric and some of the earlier travels. It completely spins the story around, though, to say that these things exist, I've seen them, the vegetable lamb of Tartary is real. It goes from being locals talk of a lamb on a stick to I've seen actual doner kebabs growing out of the ground in Persia. Honest, Gov. And people fucking believed it because The Travels of Sir John Mendeville was an incredibly famous book that was widely read, widely published. It was even used as a source by Christopher Columbus. He was a big fan yes. of this book. And it was all shite. <laughs> Has it got pressed to John in as well? Good question. I think it does. I think yes. it does as well. Yeah, because a lot of the conquistadors were actually looking for Prester John and his mysterious Christian kingdom in the middle of nowhere. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a really good book. If you haven't read it, it's fucking fantastic. It's the work of a genius imagination. Unfortunately, it's the work of a genius imagination that people took as gospel for several hundred years when planning their holidays ah, absolutely. Well, I mean let's be honest life in the middle ages wasn't great I think I would have jumped on <laughs> no. any of these stories a little bit of escapism possibly yes yeah. but anyway this book meant that this legend which was understood to be a legend and not really real suddenly became a fact suddenly this animal existed <laughs> and it remained this way for hundreds of years it reached the top of society. It wasn't just a legend that was believed by idiots, you know, plebeians in little mud hut villages. It reached the absolute the top of society. <laughs> yes, it went beyond poor cretins, Tom. It, it went to posh cretins. Petty. Yes, exactly. Rich it retards. reached rich cretins too. <laughs> the wonderful thing about cretiny, Sam. It, <laughs> it, it transcends social class. It does. There was a guy called Sigismund, who in the early 16th century was the Holy Roman Empire's ambassador to Russia, so a really kind of quite important high-up guy, who wrote in his extensive notes on Russia that he was reliably informed by dozens of people that the land was real and commonly found between the uh, Jayek and Volga rivers on the Caspian coast. So everyone believed this. He adds that it was about 80 centimetres high, according to what his friend's friend had told him. It looked like a melon until it was hatched and had blood but didn't have skin. It was a lamb, but it had crab shell instead of skin with hooves of matted hair. So there you go. He was not only perpetuating the bollocks, but he was adding to it as well by throwing <laughs> crabs into the mix. <laughs> That's so strange. Incidentally, Tom, have you ever been told some shit story, some shit legend about a mate's mate who's done something? <laughs> well, didn't we touch on this last week? Two, I think two we might blokes have done. outdoing each other with stupid stories, yes. We've all heard yeah. it, haven't we? Oh, my, you never guess what my mate did. My mate Steve, who doesn't exist, yeah. Yeah. My favourite one from school was uh, was always that a friend's friend had dried some banana skins and then managed to smoke them to get high which all of my school friends tried and it made them really ill. <laughs> you can though, can't I've, that is, or is that an urban myth? That you no, can get you can't. That's the problem. That's how these things start and now even relatively educated people like you believe it. Uh, uh, banana skins getting high. So that, that, what, so that is just an urban myth. There you go. Yes, but actually the banana skin thing got to the is well believed enough to the extent that the Food and Drug Administration in the US actually investigated the potential hallucinogenic effects of bananas. How bizarre. <laughs> uh, it's all complete nonsense. But it just goes to show it still exists today. You spread a story and people still believe it. Absolutely. Autism <clears throat> and <clears throat> vaccinations. <clears throat> 
Well, I'm glad you added and vaccinations there because I'm pretty sure that autism is actually a real condition. (laughs) Yeah. I thought you were about to say that autism doesn't exist. (laughs) Cancer. No, no. Big farmer, Sam. It's big farmer and the Rothschilds. That's who it is. (laughs) It's the Jews, Sam. The Jews are responsible for everything. They started this story about the vegetable lamb. Now look where we are. (laughs) You don't know what to believe anymore. Now we're all smoking banana skins and getting high off hippie juice. Anyway... This legend became so popular and long-lasting that in 1658, so a full 1,200 years after the, after the story first started, a guy called Thomas Brown included it in his book Pseudodoxia Epidemica, which is also known as Inquiries into Very Many Received Tenets and Commonly Presumed Truths, which is a really interesting book, actually. I read a little bit of it. It's a fascinating book. It's commonly thought of as one of the first books which uses scientific theory and scientific methods of observation and experimentation to debunk conspiracy theories and myths and legends. Good on him. And pseudoscience. It's really interesting. Top in black, 1658, black. one of the first books disproving pseudoscience came out. And even in this book, 1,200 years after the legend first appeared, Brown is having to insist to the general and actually the educated population that no, there are no lambs on springs in Persia. It's all bollocks. <laughs> It was a really popular legend and myth in China as well, who believed pretty much exactly the same thing, that there was a tree in Persia which grew lambs. Exactly the same story, with exactly the same origin location, thousands of miles away. So I'm going to suggest to him, with absolutely no evidence whatsoever, that it is all Odoric's fault, since he is the only person in the story who connects Europe, China and Tartary. <laughs> so he actually, he may have eaten them all. Yes, well maybe that's it. He Yeah, on his way, and that's why they no longer exist. I think you've got it. I think you've nailed it. It'll show up in the fossil records eventually. <laughs> There'll be one found in an iceberg or something like that, in a glacier. Yep. When the glacier's door, it'll just start springing backwards and forwards again, as if it never stopped. Yeah. This legend carried on and on and on, and it only really started to die out after literal expeditions were sent to try and find one, at which point they arrived in Persia and all of the locals said, what the fuck are you on about? No, that's an ancient myth and legend they don't actually exist it's just a story we tell to our kids so that was partly what really did shit for it as well <laughs> it's, not, it's not even a good monster is it it's not even like a is a crap it's a, a shit sh- monster a sheep on str- on, on a spring again you it's the kind of better, thing people. that a three-year-old would doodle when asked to create a monster yeah for crying out loud you could do better have like a bull's head <laughs> on a human's body and call it Minotaur. The Greeks knew how to do these things properly, didn't they? None of this medieval half arse Get a horse, get the torso <laughs> of a human, pop them together, you got yourself a centaur. Now we're talking. <laughs> Bish bash bosh, got get yourself a, giant, a monster. Take away one of its eyes, move the remaining eye over its nose, you got yourself a cyclops. <laughs> take a turtle, make it fart, have it kill your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Examine prostates, sort it. <laughs> Take a gnome, make him a pervert, you got yourself a god. <laughs> so what really did for this rumour, though, this legend, was the widespread arrival of cotton in Europe, when everyone suddenly realised, oh, fuck, wool that grows on trees. Oh, Maybe that's where this came from. <laughs> there you go, I, I had heard that and, as well. And yes, Tom, yes, it was actually just the arrival and the realisation that cotton was a thing and that cotton plants were a thing that uh, that did for of the legend. Of course it is. 
of the vegetable sheep of Tartary. Which, when you think about it, does make a bit more sense than a fucking lamb on a stick. It does. Which instead would reduce to the status of a kebab all over the world, alongside dogs on sticks, rats on sticks, and anything else that could be compressed into a kebab form. (laughs) And disguised with lots of spices. (laughs) Excellent. I I was going to ask you, actually. I, I almost asked you, oh, come on, there must be some some idea of where the myth came from. There must be some sort of plant. And you're right, when it you was, said that, it just it went, was cotton. Yes. the penny dropped, and I remembered the, the cotton plant, yes. So there you go, Tom. It all makes sense in the end. Unlike the fucking barnacle tree. <laughs> <laughs> can we have an honorary mention? Can we, can we mention again that chap's name? That the uh, Thomas Brown, yes. Thomas Brown. In 1658, with his book, The uh, Pseudodoxia Epidemica. Excellent. Who deserves a lot more credit than we get, I think. Do we know more more about him? Was he uh, was he at one of the universities in the UK at the time? He wrote various books, actually. He wrote books on science, medicine, uh, religion, and nonsense. Specifically, nonsense. He was a, a naturist, not a naturist. I was about to say <laughs> Nat- naturalist. I was about to say, yeah, that, there is a difference between the two, and I couldn't remember what it was. Allow, I know allow one of me them to correct myself. <laughs> Both can be combined. You know, you can Indeed. be both at the same time, like like our mate Priapus. <laughs> What's going on in his garden? He's just poking his head above the pampas grass. Cooey! It's Alan Titchmarsh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we found him! <laughs> oh. He's not Danny DeVito, it's fucking Alan Titchmarsh! <laughs> and he's literally fucking Alan Titchmarsh. <laughs> and this week on Ground Force, Charlie Dimmock... <laughs> Has been pinching my cauliflower. Gets her asshole torn inside out for stealing the brassicas. <laughs> Tommy Walsh, he's been. <laughs> he pinched me runners, so Tommy's getting it. <laughs> yeah. Tommy got bludgeoned to death with my baby making stick for <laughs> frying up my roses, funny. <laughs> oh my god, again, our apologies to people who were. <laughs> Did not watch copious amounts of 90s British TV. Alan Titchmarsh was the presenter of Ground Force, which was a garden makeover programme. Gardener's World is fairly famous across the world, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah, Gardener's, Gardener's World? World's quite well known. He presented I think he presented Gardener's that for World a while for as well. about a decade, didn't he? <laughs> Alan Titchmarsh has written uh, books, hasn't he? And he's he's known for his really bad depictions of sex scenes in his books. Yes, just, you know just, he is. Yeah, you're right. I am you a good, right. so it's not libelous. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Alan Titchmarsh, also known as uh, Priapus. Priapus. (laughs) I'm glad that we managed to keep vegetables clean. (laughs) Jolly good. I think we should really wrap up there, shouldn't we? I'm knackered. We should. That was a a wonderful episode. Well, I think we should do Japan. Japan. Done. I think we should. And we should give a context for this, because I don't think we were on air when we were talking about this earlier. But one of the long-term fans of this show... She is I think I believe she's Canadian and she lives in Japan. She told us about another creature who we should look into. Stephanie Knoll wrote to us on Facebook and said, I live in Japan and that episode, the one with a capper in it, made me laugh so much. If you want to cover more weird stuff from Japan, you should cover Tanuki and all the things they can do with their balls. <laughs> so I think we should do Japan and I don't think we should do the Tanuki, but I think they should get an honourable mention on behalf of uh, on behalf of Stephanie. Sounds good. So thank you for your suggestion, Stephanie. We're going to do Japan. We're going to talk about Tanuki's balls and uh, and hopefully some other weird stuff as well. 
jolly good show. Well, thank you so much for listening into this podcast to all our dear audience. If you've enjoyed it, uh, please do subscribe on your podcast app of choice and do follow us on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for That Was Genius. And it says the rather silly history podcast, so you'll know who we are. And we will see you next week, I think. Say goodbye, Tom. Bye, Tom. Bye, Tom. Bye, Tom. Bye, Tom.